to steal this. She was talking about being God's favorite and how true that is, that he looks at each one of us equally and loves us. Uh, however, her comment about there are no favorites, as she was saying that, my little sister looks over at me out of the corner of my eye, leans forward, and I said, I know it's not true. <laughs> there are most certainly favorites. And so, uh, yeah, Lisa just said amen. <laughs> so uh, we call her the golden child, but that's okay. Uh, you'll notice, though, that we're in a little different spot this morning um, because at the beginning of the year, we like to do something, or I like to do something, um, that we entitle State of the Church. And it's just a chance for us to kind of evaluate where we're at, what's going on in our midst, what's happening, um, and to be encouraged by that, to, but also to be challenged by that. And so, if you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. This is a passage that's going to be hopefully familiar to you because it's a passage that we have used often during our time here to talk about what we are to be doing as a church and to hold ourselves up to the light of God's Word and say, does this look like us? And as we go through this this morning, as we go through this passage and, and kind of do a little bit of evaluation, as we think about what lays before us and what's coming up in the, in the new year, um, or what we think is coming up in the new year, because the Lord has a way of sometimes changing our plans. Um, but I want us to have this thought. I don't want us to go into this and say, you're right, pastor, our church isn't doing that. By golly, we got to get on that. Everybody needs to chip in and then forget that you're part of that. Because that tends to be what happens. We tend to talk about the church, but then we forget that we're a member of that church. We forget that we're a, a part of that, and we, we think, oh, that's everybody else that needs to get on board. But the whole theme of last year was healthy church, healthy believer. And the idea was is that if we desire to be a healthy church that produces healthy disciples, then we ourselves, as members of that church, should be healthy. And we looked at 1 John, and we talked about, as we looked at that, that book, we talked about what are the marks of a healthy believer? What does that look like for you and me? And so as we go through this this morning, as we go through looking once again at what are the marks of a healthy church, what are the things that we should be doing, that we would take self-evaluation as well. That we would look in the mirror, our own mirror and say, does that look like me? Does that look like us as a couple? Does that look like us as a family? Because I guarantee you that if we will adopt these things, if we will say, this looks like us, then we as a church will look like this as well. Because a church is made up of its members and it looks like its members. All right, so hopefully you found Acts chapter 2 by now. We are reading verses 40 through 47. So if you would stand with me that we may honor the reading of God's word this morning. We start here in verse 40 at the end of Peter's sermon. It says, and with many other words, he, Peter, bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized and there, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. 
and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we thank you so much for all that you have given us. Lord, especially for our salvation. Lord, none of us would be in this room. None of us would would be worshiping this morning save for the grace of God. You have given us life. You have given us purpose. You have given us contentment. You have given us salvation from the consequences of our own sin. And Father, we desire now to come and to know you and to make your name known. Lord, we desire to be the church that you would have us to be. Father, I pray this morning, Lord, as we look at your word once again, look at this familiar passage to us, that we would be reminded of those things that should be a part of our lives. Not only our lives as individuals, but our life as a church. Lord, that we'd be encouraged by some things that are going on, be encouraged by what you're doing here already, and that we should take challenge to continue on. Father, I pray this morning, Lord, do, do things that only you can do. Do things that only your word can do. We pray this in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you would be seated. This morning, as we begin this idea of evaluation, we must ask ourselves, we must ask ourselves first, why does the church exist? Why does the church exist? And for most of you, I hope that you can answer this question because it's a question we've asked a lot. But the purpose of the church, the reason that the church exists is to glorify God. Romans chapter 15, verse 5 through 6, Paul says this. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul is saying that he is praying for this church in Rome, and really he is praying for all of us, even that prayer extends to you and me, that he is praying that we would be in such harmony that we would be able to work together as one people with one voice for the glory of God. That's our focus. Our focus is not what we can get out of church. There are lots of folks Um, across the country, across our country, and and really around the world, who they go to church to see what they can get out of it. What can they benefit from it? We We see this in missions all the time, that we see missionaries who have best intentions, and they begin to plant a church, and they begin to pour into it, and they try to make it look like church here. And what they do instead is they basically could go in front of the church and paint a big money sign on the door. And, and people flood it because they think that if they're associated with that church that they're going to get something out of it. And especially in a place in, in a place of third world country and places where things are difficult, that appeals to folks. But it, it, the same thing happens here. So often we think about church 
Sadly, we think about church as a place where we pay our dues and then we are to receive something in turn. But that's not what church is. That's not what our goal should be when we come into those doors. It should not be what our goal is as we come together as family. Rather, we should be focused on Him. Not on what we can get. Not on what it, how it makes us feel. But rather, if we are glorifying God. If we are putting the focus on Him. The truth is, though, that sometimes that comes with challenges, doesn't it? Sometimes that comes with challenges. We get distracted. We get pulled this way or that way. Life has a way of getting us so busy that we lose that focus. And so we need, we need times like this. We need times in our week when we can stop. When we can evaluate. When we can look at the things and the challenges in our life and say, how... How would God have me to attack this? How would he have me to look? And how would he have me to change? And so as we look at this passage, my prayer is is that we would focus on the idea of we are gathered together. We are formed as a body to glorify God. And now we look at this passage to say, what are we to do in order to make that happen? How do we overcome challenges? How do we... How do we evaluate ourselves in in that process? And we've talked about there are five things, okay? And you can see them up there. There are five things that we are as a church are to be doing. We get those out of Acts. The first one is evangelism. The first one is evangelism. You see there in verse 40, Peter is the one setting the example for this as he speaks to a crowd. Many of them in the crowd were ones that had just been present not that long beforehand at the crucifixion, and he is preaching to them, telling them what has just happened, what the crucifixion was about, what the resurrection is about, and he's sharing with them the gospel, and he calls them to salvation. As believers, we are called to emulate, and as a church, we are called to emulate Peter. We ourselves have a message to give, and it is a great one. It is one that this world desperately needs to hear. It is a message of hope. It is a message of peace. It is a message of contentment. It is a message of satisfaction. It is a message for a world that is broken. And we have that hope. We have that message. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful as I look around this room and I see folks that we have baptized this last year and and their stories and the testimonies of those individuals and how God has changed their lives. It's a wonderful thing. It's a blessed thing that we can experience that together as a body. I think about how God is doing great things through our ability to contact others and how we have made had great conversations as a church whether it was you or not but Uh, As a church, as we do things like the food pantry and we host another food pantry for the help center and as we are in contact with those in our community, letting them know that we care about them, letting them know that we're here for them. And those are opening doors, slowly those are opening doors for us to allow Christ and to work in these folks' lives, for us to be conduits of his work towards them. Thankful for how we give as a church towards missions and towards evangelism. 
and it's incredible. And we're going to talk, I, I thought about this when I thought about generosity, but this church has shown again and again its heart for those things. My question to you, the challenge for me as I read this is not, not just about those things, though we have some wonderful examples and God's doing some great things in evangelism, but my question is a question that if you're in a small group, you should know. If you're in small groups, at some point in your small group, you should have talked about five questions. And the fifth question in there is, how have you had a gospel-centered conversation this week? How have you had a gospel-centered conversation this week? Not necessarily have you shared the gospel, because there are, there are different opportunities for that, though I would hope we get an opportunity to do that on a weekly basis. But how have you had a conversation about Christ this week? Hopefully with someone that is not a believer. And I would think, I would think, and I, I would probably be right, that for many of us that would be a hard question to answer. It would be a hard question to answer. How have I had a gospel-centered conversation with someone this week? But it's a conversation that we should be able to answer. It should be a conversation that we are excited to answer or a question that we should be excited to answer. How has God used me this week to tell of his great story? I think about that song, I heard it the other night, it's an older, it's a little bit older song um, in terms of being played on the radio. It's been on the radio for a long time, but the, the one of the lines in this song is to tell of my story. To tell my story is to tell of him. If you're going to ask me about who I am, if you're going to ask me about how my day is going, if you're going to ask me what's happening, then my story should be of him. It should be a part, it should be ingrained in who we are. That we, when we tell people what's going on, when we talk, when we have conversations with individuals, that they are hearing about Christ. It doesn't mean that we have to share the gospel every single time we come into contact with a person, but it means that we're always showing them, we're always pointing them towards hope. Then the gospel just kind of flows out of that. When we're talking about how, how God has done this great thing in our lives, whether it's how, it's how he's raising our kids and how we see him, more involved in their lives or whether it's how we've seen it through an illness or whether we've seen it and how he has provided or whether we see it and how he has comforted us through difficult times what they should see is that christ is active in our lives so that they will want that how are we doing on evangelism how are how are you and i doing the second thing that we see is teaching teaching we see it there in verse 42 at the beginning. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. You and I are not called to make converts. I know that sounds weird, but we are not called to make converts. Converts simply hear a truth and they believe it. Okay? Like, the world is round. Okay? And you believe it. But my guess is, on a day-to-day -day basis, it probably doesn't affect how you are living. We still have a ways to go. Like, I, I hear these basketball players all the time, like, the world's flat, and I'm like, oh, gosh. Like, we have work to do in converting people to the world is round, okay? And if you believe it's flat, then we'll talk here in a minute. But, okay, 
Like, that's conversion. We're, we're interested in more than just conversion as disciples. We're convi- we are concerned with the truth of the gospel changing people. And in order for that to happen, we can't just simply present the gospel, but we must work in their lives. We must teach the word of God to them. This is why when, when we ask folks to put their faith and trust in God, and when they do that, we don't just simply walk away from them, but we invite them into the church. We invite them into the body. And we all need this. We all need to be in a relationships and in, in situations where we are both pouring into someone else and where we are receiving something, where we're receiving teaching. And I understand that not all of us are called to be Sunday school teachers, and I'm not calling all of you to be Sunday school teachers. But there is someone in your life, whether it be a grandchild or a child or a niece or a nephew or a friend or a coworker, that you can be pouring something into. Maybe that takes place in a Sunday school. Maybe it takes place in a small group. Maybe it takes place in a Bible study somewhere else. But we all have a responsibility to teach. And we all have a responsibility to receive teaching as well. And we have some great things that are going on with that. Some of you know and some of you do not know that for our 5th and 6th graders that we started a new curriculum. And the idea of the curriculum is to ask basic theological questions and for our 5th and 6th graders to go through that. And to understand, it's 4th grade as well, am I or just fifth and sixth, just fifth and sixth, for them to go through that, to hear the questions, to know that Jesus is God, to know, like Frank said this morning, that blood is necessary to cover and to make recompense for sin, to know that they are sinners and to know that the only way to have a relationship with God is through Jesus Christ by faith through grace. It's important for them to know those things. And I'm excited about what's happening there. I'm excited about small groups and, and how God continues to grow and, and to multiply those. And uh, we're, we're actually getting ready for two new groups to start, um, hopefully by the, by the will of God. Um, we're still working on that. And I hope and I, and I challenge you as a church, if you're not involved in Sunday school, if you're not involved in a small group, get involved. If you come just on Sunday mornings, then then praise the Lord. I'm glad that you're here on a Sunday morning. I'm glad that you're making, uh, you're, you're coming and you're being fed. But if you only ate once a week, there would be a problem. It might be okay for the first week. You might think, oh, well, I look a little better. But trust me, if you only ate once a week for two or three weeks, you'd start noticing some issues. In the same way, we are not designed to ins- consume the word of God once a week. We should be consuming it daily and we should be consuming it on a regular basis in communion with other believers. We are to teach. We're to come together. The third thing is prayer. Verse 42 continues there. It says, teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. We're to pray, brothers and sisters. This is the greatest gift that God has given us past our salvation is that we can come into the throne room of a holy God. We can come into the throne room of the all-powerful God and we can speak and have conversation with Him. That we can make known our praises and our thanksgivings. That we can make known to Him our needs and our desires and that He returns and answers those prayers. 
we have said it again and again here that we will only go as far as a church as our prayer life. And so we, I asked this morning, how are we doing in that? How are we doing in our prayer life? How are you doing as an individual in that? What can you say about that? How can you say, yes, the Lord has answered this prayer this week? What praises can you give about how God responds to that? What kind of efforts have you put into that? Not that we do things and for the sake of checking off a box, but when you want to have a relationship with someone, there has to be a, an attempt. There has to be, on both sides, an effort that is made something that we must we must grab hold of church if we desire to be the church that god has called us to be if we desire to walk in his path if we desire to know his will if we desire to know what ministries he's calling us into if we desire to know what he is desiring us to do next and take the next step and the next step and the next step we must grab a hold of prayer and we must do so in a corporate manner so my hope is that we can continue to do that. We can find new ways to pray corporately. We're going to be changing. Um, I'm, my prayer is, is that soon we're going to be changing Wednesday nights just a little bit, tweaking them a, a, a little to encourage us to pray corporately about specific things, to pray for specific ministries in the church, to pray for the lost. I've, I think I've said this before from the pulpit, but you should know, you should know lost people in your life and they should be on the tip of your tongue when you pray. God has to do a work in their heart. Are you praying for that to happen? Fourthly, we're called for encouragement, generosity, and hospitality. Verses 44 through 46. And all, <clears throat> and all who believed were together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to any to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. We are to be a people of encouragement, a people, a generous people, and a people of great hospitality. And as a church, I have to say, I am thankful for the encouragement that Melissa and I receive. I'm thankful as I watch you encourage one another's I'm thankful as we try to come alongside folks. And I, I encourage you to, to look around you, to, to see who is here that you know could need an encouraging word, could use a batch of cookies maybe, could use a moment of your time to look around you and to see those folks that are not here and to say, man, there needs to be an email or a card or a phone call or a visit to encourage each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, to encourage one another's family. Generosity, again, and I, say that, I said this earlier, I'll say it again, I, this church has shown to be incredibly generous. To be incredibly generous with the things that God has given you, and I'm, I'm so thankful for that. Let us continue in that. Let us continue to hold the things that God has given us, our time, our possessions, everything that he has blessed us with let us continue to hold it in an open hand and say lord how would you use this 
where would you have this to go? And then lastly, hospitality. You see them sharing bread, breaking it together, eating together. This has really become a lost art in many ways. Having people in our home has become a lost art. We get busy. We get busy, don't we? We get to the point where we get home and we're like, I just want to stay home. I just want it to be quiet for a minute. And then our kids yell. Okay, But we desire, we should have a desire to have people in our lives. Some of that is your church members. Do you have a relationship with them where you are inviting brothers and sisters into your home to have time of just encouragement, to have time of just talking and sharing life with one another, not going deep. Sometimes it just means being silly, playing some exploding kittens, playing some bang, okay? Playing cards. I know we're Baptists. We don't do that. But you get the idea. Sometimes we just need to spend time with one another. We need to show hospitality to one another. Sometimes that hospitality needs to extend outside of the church. People ask me, how, how do you share the gospel? How, how do I get started in that? And my response to you would be, when is the last time you had a lost person in your home? When's the last time you had a meal with them? Showed them that you cared about their lives. So that when you do broach the subject about what God's doing in your life when you do ask them about their relationship and if they have one with him that's not out of the blue but rather it's based on a relationship that has been formed we should be a people of hospitality lastly we should be a people of worship we should be a people of worship it's a mark of God's people throughout all of scripture that God's people respond to him sometimes this response is in the form of singing sometimes it's a response in the form of obedience sometimes it's a response in the term of just standing in all before god but we should be a people of worship i'm thankful for our praise team and for those that volunteer to do special music and others that lead us in that worship that take us before the throne room of God. And I pray that as we're singing, that it's not just uttering words out of our mouth, but we're really contemplating what we're saying in those songs. That we're allowing them to speak to our heart and then mirroring them back, singing them back to Him. Do we come prepared to worship? Is worship part of our daily lives? Is it a part of our family life? All of these things should be taking place. All of these things should be a part of who we are as a church. I want to focus quickly, though, on that middle one of prayer. What, are, what can we be praying for? What can we be praying for? As we step into a new year, as we think about these areas that we are to be accomplishing, as we think about the ways that we need are the things that we need to be doing as a church what are things that we can be praying for well i would ask that we as a church would be praying for new ministry opportunities don't get me wrong pray for the old ones as well pray for our food pantry it is an amazing tool that god uses for us to be in lives pray for that pray for our prison ministries pray for our youth pray for our children's ministries 
But be praying for some new opportunities as well. There are things that God is beginning to do in our midst uh, that we're not quite ready to share, but opportunities to minister to folks based on what is happening in our community, based on things that we see going on around us. Pray that we would have wisdom, that we wouldn't just pick a new program just to say, hey, look at what we're doing new, but rather we would focus on what the Lord would have us to do and then be a part of that. Join Him where He is already working. Second, I would ask that you would pray for members that are not here. We have a great deal of folks that are on our membership roles who are not regular attenders, who we, many of whom we haven't seen in a long, long time. I would ask that you be praying for them. This year, we're going to be attempting to reach out to them in a more organized way. Last year, we did the homecoming, and it was an excellent, excellent opportunity for us to see some folks that we hadn't seen in a while, for us to renew some relationships. And we saw some fruit out of that, but I would pray that this year that you would be praying, how can we continue to reach out to those folks, to bring them back into the family in a more permanent way so that we can continue to worship with them and do ministry with them, to support them, and to see their gifts and talents be used in this place. Thirdly, pray for the building project. Obviously, this is on a lot of our minds as we continue forward with that. It's an opportunity for us to, to use some of the resources that God has given us to more efficiently and more effectively minister. We don't build just because we want something pretty. We don't build because we want something new and flashy. We build because there is a need for us to do that so that we can better minister, that we can better accomplish our, our passion of glorifying God. So be praying for that. Pray for wisdom. Pray for direction. Be thankful. The Lord has done so many things this year with that how many of you in january of last year would have predicted that we would have had three votes already about the building project that were unanimous that we were able to have discussion a couple of you hyperventilated but we were able to have discussion and then at the end of it we walked out of here as family united over what god was calling us to do praise the lord he is doing a work in our midst. I have told many of my pastor friends, many of those that have asked, that I am almost convinced that the Lord is asking us to build, not so much for the new building, but he is asking us to build to bring us together as a family of God that we can show ourselves, that God can show us, and God can show this community of who he is building and the people that he has put in this place. And the unity and the harmony that we have is one voice. doesn't mean we'll always agree. There's going to be those of us that disagree on the color of the carpet and all the paint of the walls, but we can do that as family. We can do that as one. I'm so thankful for that. And I ask that you would pray that that would continue. And then lastly, and there are many other things that we could pray for, but lastly, I would pray, I would ask you to pray as a church that we would come together and pray for the lost. There are many in our community, there are many in our families who do not know Christ, they do not know the hope that we, do, that we know. They do not know the salvation that we know. And they are hungry and they are looking. Let us pray for them. Let us ask the Lord to deliver them soon. 
Let us ask the Lord to use us as tools for that to happen. I would ask, join us in that. Join us in praying for these areas. There are many more that we could say, but these, this is the things that the Lord is putting on our hearts. We all want, this is the next slide, but we all want to see the success of the church as she, as she seeks to glorify God. But, to, but that necessitates understanding what it means to serve a holy God. In this last few months, as I've been praying over what the Lord would have us to focus on in this next year, many of you know that I, we kind of do themes here, but as I really ask the Lord, what, what would you have us to focus on? What would you have us to go in your word? What would you have us to, to know about you? What is on my heart over and over again is that if we are to serve in a right way, if we are to serve correctly as a church, then we must know the God that we serve. We must know the God that we serve. We must know his heart, but we also must know his holiness. And so the theme of 2019, the theme that we will be looking at is serving a holy God. And part of this comes out of Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 through verse 8. And many of you probably know the story, but Isaiah has been called into the ministry. He's already been prophesying a little bit by this time, but he has this vision and it's a vision of God in heaven and all of his holiness. And he's surrounded by the angels and they are crying out, Holy, holy, holy. And Isaiah stands there as a man in this vision. And he cannot help but think to himself, I am a dead man. He stands there before a holy God and he realizes his shortcomings. He realizes the areas in his life that are sinful. He realizes the areas that he has not fulfilled. He says, I am a man of unclean lips from a people of unclean lips. It is not unlike what we see in Revelation when John beholds a resurrected and glorified Christ and it says that I fell down like a dead man. He fainted. Standing before a holy God, serving a holy God, we must recognize Him for who He is. And we should respond accordingly. We should respond understanding that He is doing in us a work and that there is much work to be done. We should understand that we approach Him not flippantly, but we approach with reverence. It doesn't mean we have to be scared. Paul says we walk into the throne room boldly. But it means we understand who we're serving. We understand the gravity of who we serve. We understand the importance of who we serve. As you go through the rest of that vision, though, Isaiah is crying out like, I, man, I'm undone. Like, I'm a dead. Woe is me. And an angel from the service of the Lord comes and he picks up, he picks up a coal off of the altar something that is holy, something that is purifying, and he touches Isaiah's lips and he cleanses him. He makes him clean. Brothers and sisters, you and I have been made clean as well. While we stand before a holy God and we understand the depth of that, we understand that we are not worthy to stand in his presence, we must also understand that he no longer looks at you and I if we have put our faith and trust in Christ. He no longer looks at you and I and sees our sin, but rather he sees the righteousness of Christ. We are clean. 
What a thing. <laughs> what a thing. We stand before God righteous. And now Isaiah's comment is no longer, woe is me. Isaiah's comment is no longer, I should be a dead man. It's no longer that I'm unclean. But rather, Isaiah's comment when the, word, when the question goes out, who will go, is I will go. Send me. I have been made clean. I am now worthy. I can now go. And so too, our response, brothers and sisters, should be to stand before a holy God to understand the righteousness that has been imparted to us and for us to say, I will go. I will serve. This year, we're, we're going to be taking a journey to, to understand and to look at that, to understand who we are serving, to understand what that means. To understand the righteousness that has been given to us and the abilities and the talents and gifts that he has given us. And then to come hopefully prayerfully to the response, here am I, send me. I ask this morning, will you pray that prayer with me? Will you join me in desiring to see God's church become a place that glorifies him? Will you join me in a desire to be a part of that, to be a member of that, to, to look at our own lives and, and take stock as we have this morning in Acts chapter 2 of what we're to look like, what we're to be doing. Will you make that commitment this morning? Will you make the commitment this year to understanding who God is and how we approach him and how we are to serve him and how you as an individual are to serve him? As a church, God, I believe, has great things in store for us if we will seek him. Let that begin today. I'm going to ask the praise team to come back up. And they're just going to lead us in a time of response. If there's a commitment that you need to make today, then I would ask that you would do that this morning, whether it's at your seat or whether you need to come to the altar. Maybe there's something else going on. Maybe there's something else going on in your life. And you need to come to the altar. You need to find a fellow brother or sister to ask them to pray with you. Whatever it may be this morning, I just respond to the way that God is leading you. Let me pray. Father, we just come before you and we thank you for the way that you love us. We thank you that you have called us as a family together. Lord, it, it amazes me as I look around the room and I know so many of the stories that are here and the places that we have been and, and the things that we have done of how you have gathered this group together, how you have gathered this collection of individuals with varying stories and varying experiences and how you have saved us all with the same grace and how you have called us all into this place and into this church with our gift, different gifts and our gift, different talents. Lord, it's, it's amazing. Lord, I ask that you would work in our hearts, that we would desire to serve a holy God, that we would desire to give you everything that we have to pursue you, that we may glorify God, and that we may see, see you do great things through that. Lord, I pray all of this in your name.